chapter 1 and verses 1 to 10. And it's page number 1186 of the Pew Bibles. And let us first pray. Father, we want to thank you this year for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your faithfulness. And so we ask now, would you speak to us through your word and would you help us to listen? And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work, Produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is God's word. Now, I hope you had a good Christmas. Well, this year, I got two surprise presents. On Christmas morning, we got up, and there on the sofa was a parcel with my name on it. And it was rectangular, that, that sort of shape. And it was quite hard. And inside were two books. And let me tell you their titles. One of them was Ur Willy. <laughs> Very theological. And here's what the second was called. Unforgettable journeys to take before you die. I wasn't quite sure what Alison meant by that. But it's amazing the journeys that you can go on. Let me give you some ideas. You could go by horse through the floodwaters of Botswana's immense Okavango Delta. Or you could take a skidoo across Sweden's snowy Lapland. Or you could even drive a 4x4 
along the Gibb River in Australia's Northern Territory. Tremendous name. But folks, tomorrow at midnight, we're all about to begin a new journey. And no one's ever been on this journey before. It is a journey into 2007. And who knows what's going to happen next year. For example, in the world in 2007, published by The Economist, we're given some ideas of what to expect next year. 2007 will be the year when Prime Minister Tony Blair steps down. There will be a change in political leadership. And on a bigger scale, in Europe, two more countries will join the EU, Bulgaria and Romania. And if you've just started using email, expect another change in 2007 with what is called Web 2.0. Why do they keep changing things? And no doubt there will be personal changes for you. Maybe next year you will get married or start a new job or something else. And so this morning, with all that can happen in just one year, we're going to ask this question. How do you begin? In other words, how do you journey into the future? 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. And it's around AD 51. And Paul is writing to Christians in a place called Thessalonica. And Paul's purpose in this wonderful letter is to encourage his Christian friends on the journey that they were on. And if I, if I can summarize it, he says very simply, keep looking to Jesus. Robert Murray McShane wrote the same thing in one of his letters. And he wrote this, for every look at self, take ten looks at Christ. For every look at self, take ten looks at Christ. And before we do that, we must understand the context. In other words, why did Paul write this letter? And we'll find it has to do with the city of Thessalonica itself. So let's do the tourist thing and let's explore Thessalonica. Firstly, take a look at its history. By the first century, it was a well-established city, the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. And its founder was someone named Cassandra, one of Alexander the Great's army officers in the 4th century BC. And notice its location. It occupied a strategic position. And it was found on the Via Ignatia, the great Roman highway to the east. And finally, note its evangelization. And in Acts chapter 17, Dr. Luke tells us what happened. And you can see it on the map behind me. It was during Paul's second missionary journey, soon after the Council of Jerusalem. And Silas and Timothy were his travelling companions. And together, they sailed across the North Aegean Sea into Europe and then into Thessalonica. And wonderfully, a church is planted there. But as you know, being a Christian is not always easy. And maybe you found that this year. And so Paul writes to them a letter. And interestingly, notice how he begins in verse 1. In verse 1 he says, Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Now here's the point. 
Here is Paul's advice for this local church and for us as we go into 2007. He says, keep looking to Jesus. And why? Because in Jesus we meet God. And so this morning, we're going to explore what this will mean as we journey into the future. And it will show in three ways in your life. And here's the first one. You'll go with passion. You'll go with passion. Verses 2 and 3. And I was reminded of this a few uh, weeks ago. My good friend, Alec Cameron, kindly gave me a manuscript of the life of Dr. Alan Redpath, a former pastor of Charlotte Chapel. It's a really fascinating story. And the last page caught my attention. And it was a tribute made by Alec about Dr. Redpath. And I want to read you what it said. And it's a wonderful picture of going forward with passion. So listen to this. It's brilliant. It says, On a poignant farewell visit to his hospital bed in Birmingham, he was so anxious to engage us in prayer, which he did with his accustomed grace and obvious closeness to the Lord. On taking our leave, he cried out, K-O-K-D, brother. Which means, keep on kicking the devil. The battle cry of a valiant saint called to him. Isn't that great? It's tremendous. When you're passionate for Jesus, other people can tell. It's obvious. And now, if you look at verses 2 and 3, there will be three clues, three pieces of evidence which give it away. And the first is, your work produced by faith. Now this year, for our church anniversary, we did a review, and it was very interesting. We looked at the work of all the different ministries in Charlotte Chapel. Okay? And let me just remind you of what we saw. It's quite amazing. In this one church, we have children's work with 192 kids. That's a lot of kids. There is our fabulous visitation team providing care. Our musicians play faithfully every week. And every year, over a hundred volunteers give of their time for the Edinburgh Festival. Lunches are given to students on Sunday. If you feed them, they will come. International, it's true, International Fellowship meets on Friday nights to study God's Word. And who could forget our youth group, YPM. And every year, people organize the church family holiday. And we can take along a book bought at the bookstall. And it goes on. Oasis looks after the mums and toddlers. Charlotte Sports looks after the fit and active. And men's and women's ministries look after the slightly older and wiser, let me add. We also have a wonderful Beulah home. And we have a range of courses from Christianity Explored to building blocks to the greenhouse and so on. And we have, to keep us all in order, we have our fabulous and hard-working IT and administration team. And of course, we do sometimes, sometimes, find time to relax. And we could go on further. And Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica and notice he commends them. What for? For their work produced by faith. And now, if you cast your eye at verse 3, Paul continues by speaking about 
your labor prompted by love. And let me explain. The word love here is our translation of the Greek word agape. And the crux of agape love is this. It is a love that delights to give in response to God's agape love in Jesus. I like the story about D.L. Moody. Many years ago, there was a shabbily dressed boy and he trudged several miles through the snowy streets of Chicago. And he was determined to be at a Bible class with D.L. Moody. And when he arrived, he was asked a question. He was asked, why do you come to a Sunday school so far away? Why don't you go to one of the churches near your home? And he answered very simply, because you love a fellow over here. That's what Beth was saying this morning. In other words, they loved Jesus. And so they loved people. And the two things always go together. And now, if you look at verse 3, here's a final clue to being passionate. It is your endurance inspired by hope. And the Greek word for endurance here, it is not a passive word. It is an active endurance. And maybe this morning, trying to find a parking space. You were enduring. And maybe you were thinking, am I going to be at church or not? Well, here's how the Christian hope is different. The Christian hope, folks, is a certain hope. Remember what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so that's our first point. How do you journey into the future? When you look at Jesus, you'll go with passion. And secondly, you'll go in power. Verses 4 to 6. You'll go in power. And let me illustrate this. I once heard an apparently true story about a photographer. And this individual was taking photographs of a raging Australian bushfire. And eventually, the fire became too intense for him. And so he radioed for a small plane to pick him up. And he was assured, do not worry, there will be a plane at a nearby airstrip. And sure enough, there on the tarmac was a small plane, just as he had been told. And so he jumped in, and he said to the pilot, take it away. When he got into the air, he said to the pilot, now swing left and go over the fire. A little later he said, now dive down onto the top of the smoke. The pilot turned to him and he said, why are you asking me to do this? And the photographer replied, because I'm a photographer and I want good photos. To which the pilot exclaimed, you mean you're not my instructor? (laughs) And that's what they do in Australia. Now if you've become a Christian you'll have the opposite experience to that pilot. You'll have been joined by an expert, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us for witness. And if you had happened to meet the Christians in Thessalonica, they'd have said to you, we know that, because we've seen it in Paul, Silas and Timothy. Look at verse 5. The gospel came not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Now, there is something vital to notice here, and it's this. We must never, ever divorce what God has married. Namely, his word and his spirit. 
Now, over the years, Charlotte Chapel has been blessed, blessed with some great preachers of God's word. And it's like a rudder which guides a ship. But if it stops there, we are in trouble. And why? Because we also desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness. And now in verse 6, it becomes even more personal. The Holy Spirit empowers you for witness. And I was reminded of this a few years ago. I was over in the States uh, at a place called Wheaton College. And Wheaton has some famous alumni. Uh, people like Jim Elliott through Gates of Splendor, Billy Graham and John Piper. And you see their pictures all over the place in the library, cafeteria, everywhere. But let me ask you this. Do you think it was easy for the students to believe that the Holy Spirit could empower these great men of God? Sure you could. Absolutely. But could the Holy Spirit really empower me? Well, that's what John Smith in Thessalonica rejoiced in. And we see that in verse 7. You know, in a few days' time, you might be going back to work or back to that situation where you live. And maybe you're thinking, how can I live as a Christian in that environment? Well, here's the promise from God's word. The Holy Spirit empowers you, John Smith, whatever your name is, for witness. So when you look at Christ, you'll go with passion and you'll go in power. And now finally, you'll go and proclaim. Verses 7 to 8. So let's look at verse 7. And this is high praise indeed. Uniquely, Paul calls this local church a model church. Do you feel like a model this morning? This church was a model church. And in verse 8, we find the reason why. What does it say? The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Ikea, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now, at the start of each year, as we heard from Mike, we set ourselves new targets. And one of my aims this year is to get broadband in my home. Last year, it was to paint the garden fence. And that still remains an unfulfilled ambition. But there's one thing that I know about broadband, and it's this. You need a telecommunications satellite somewhere. And this satellite receives, and then it transmits messages. Now picture this. God expects every church to be like that. He wants Charlotte Chapel in 2007 to be a telecommunications satellite in getting the gospel out. And folks, what a message we have. So here's a challenge. Here's a challenge for next year. Let's keep getting the gospel out here. And that's what the Thessalonians were doing. Notice verse 7. The Lord's message rang out where they lived in Macedonia and Ikea. So how do we apply this in 2007? Well, can I be practical here? Next week, as you go back to work, after the Christmas break, or as you meet with your neighbours, ask God to put on your heart two people that you can pray for this year that they'll become a Christian. Pray for them and spend time getting to know them. For example, how about going out for a meal or going to Starbucks with someone at your work who is a non-Christian? 
Or how about inviting some folks and friends from your street to watch a sports game with you? Going for a game of golf with a colleague or babysitting with your neighbour. And when an event such as Christianity Explore starts, and it starts in January, or there's a guest service, you can bring them. It'll be very natural. And now here's a final challenge from God's word. Let's get the gospel out everywhere. Take a look at verse 8. It says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Ikea, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And the words rang out here is a picture of a loud noise. And someone told me the office will be quieter with me gone. I'm not sure what to take that one. But the picture here is like the loud blast of a trumpet or like the roll of a great thunder as we're expecting tonight for the bells. And this good news about Jesus was going everywhere. You know, this morning it's been great to have Beth Diamond with us. And Beth's about to head off for two years as a missionary. And I'm sure that you will agree with me that we have a fantastic missionary family, do we not? We really do. And what a privilege it is for us to partner with them in getting the gospel out everywhere. From Ecuador to Singapore to the Philippines. The hymn writer put it so well. We have a gospel to proclaim. Good news for men in all the earth. The gospel of a saviour's name. We sing his glory. Tell his worth. What a vision for next year. To go and proclaim everywhere. Now, as we close, I want us to focus on these last two verses. Verses 9 and verse 10. And in many ways, these verses summarise all of what Paul has been saying here. How do you journey into the future? Keep looking to Jesus. So let's look at verse 9. Verse 9b. And Paul writes, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And so as we close, here are two questions of application to ask ourselves. And the first is this. As I begin this new year, am I walking with Christ? Am I walking with Christ? In other words, is my ambition for 2007 to live for Jesus wholeheartedly? That's the first question. And the second is this. Am I waiting for Christ? Am I waiting for Christ? One day, the Lord Jesus is coming back. And that date is already fixed in God's calendar. Let me ask you this morning. Are you ready for that day? There is nothing more important than to be ready for that day. And so in a few hours' time, we'll begin a new year. Let us go looking forward and looking upward to Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Let us pray.